0: Come to Catholic stuff. You should know the J Ten Initiative.
1: So, hey, welcome to the podcast, Father Nathan. Okay.
0: Oh, was that on there? It was on is that there. That record yeah,
1: fine. We're going to edit it out. This is Father.
0: Well, hello. This is Father Michael Rapp.
1: Excellent. We are uh, brewing up a Catholic stuff double dose today um we are uh getting ready to have dinner with uh one father chris Lebstock. oh he's
0: back in town
1: have you seen him yet
0: uh no no, no no the
1: man does not age
0: is when did he come into town sunday
1: yeah he came in sunday night and tuesday No, no, no today's no. he came in sunday night but i didn't see him today's Monday. wednesday wednesday
0: uh welcome welcome father chris i'm i'm very much looking forward to seeing him tonight we're going to have dinner, right? You
1: will notice that he has not aged. And I think the only way I'm going to be able to tell if Father Chris Lebsack has aged is whether or not his uh, eyebrows turn gray. Because Isn't, he, sh- he shaves everything. Like, I mean, not every. I well,
0: that's true. He's been bald since he was, like, 12. Yep. And also, I think, if I understand this correctly, that t- testosterone is an age reducer.
1: Oh really? Isn't it
0: like if you wanted to perform well as an athlete, you bump up testosterone and you take human growth hormone, and they also give you like quick recovery. I didn't so that's that. kind of like anti-aging stuff.
1: I know Archbishop Schapp, you told me that uh, curly hair and full head of hair is usually a sign of low testosterone. I was like always the always the gentleman. You know, always
0: the <laughs> that sounds biased. I feel like that
1: Archbishop also said to me... <laughs> vested interest. Also said to me, quote, um, uh, in the Capuchins, beards are supposed to be austere and manly, and yours is neither. Oh. <laughs> and I was over, uh, a, if I may... That's
0: relative. Uh, that's a good judgment.
1: I was over at Mark Morton's house uh, the other day, eating some jambalaya, and I don't know if it was him or his brother-in-law or someone said... Um, it looks like you've been trying to grow that beard for the last six years. <laughs>
0: Do you trim it? Do you go to the thing and, uh...
1: Yeah, I trim it. I trim.
0: Yeah, at the barber?
1: No. Well, yeah, Cali trimmed.
0: You know, I've always found this weird about the beard thing. That it grows differently. It I mean, does. like, the side will grow for a yes, while, yes. and then the other part, and then... You know what I mean? It's, it's like, the, it's not even.
1: It's according to the lunar calendar. Did you know that?
0: Really? No. The tides?
1: No. It doesn't have anything to do with
0: that. I would believe that. You know, you got werewolves. That's got to have some more of an effect than we recognize. The lunar? My cousin Jake Fowler's calling.
1: Jake the Rattlesnake?
0: That's the very one from Bozeman. Check it out. Well, I think he's in Key West right
1: now. Okay. He had
0: moved recently with his little chihuahua dog. I'm not going to answer it, though.
1: You didn't answer it. We have stuff to do. Today, I have a special topic that I've been waiting to talk to you about since I got back from the Holy Land.
0: Yes. He already and how, Well, I'm looking forward to hearing about your Holy Land trip. Not that we have to do that now, but...
1: Sure. We can't do the whole pilgrimage. Did you?
0: I, I felt like... I did hear that you got a kippah. Is that... Is that a kippah? Kippah is like a yarmulke? Yeah. I did, for the temple, you got to get ha- one of those? I already
1: had one. I brought mine over. Okay. I carried on. But I will say... um, uh, Oh, you know what?
0: I I talked to Father Matt Book and his mother, and they told me stories about your time there. And this woman at the symphony.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Schneckenberg. Yeah. Uh, Colleen Schneckenberg.
0: Yeah, so I feel like I've already heard some of the story. You've heard some of it.
1: But I wanted to process a particular experience I had in the Holy Land with you because it has to do with, one, archaeology, two, yes. scriptures, yes. and three, uh, just the the link between the Old Testament and the New. Which, <laughs> I'm like, what are
0: those sounds when you get, like, all three?
1: Yeah. It, yeah, I mean, with John, it's like medieval, Mariology, Balthazar. Woo! Ting, <laughs> <laughs> ting, 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 ting. Anyways, right. you have leveled up. So um, um
0: I'm I'm just gonna sip this tea and I'm excited to hear what you're that's talking right. about. It's loose leaf from Myanmar. Loose tea, leaf tea. Tea, that is, black tea. It looks good. Sorry, I'm kind of moving around, so if the, the, that's all right. Uh, so sound quality is so low, on our first on adjust-
1: our first day in Jerusalem. On our first day in Jerusalem, we went to uh Yeah, a number of different places um, but I was like, I need to go. Uh, I need to go to the Western Wall immediately. Mm-hmm. That's the first experience I wanted to have. So we got in late. We got to our hotel. We got dinner, and then uh, people went to bed. And we had a big day ahead of us. You know, the following day. But I was like, I want my first experience to be the Western to Wall.
0: To be the wall because
1: okay. I had never. I didn't know anything about Jerusalem other than. One, it has the temple. Two, it it has the western wall. Three, like, Jesus did some things, like, in there. He died, you know, in this place. But, like, as far as historical places, the only place I knew was the temple. I didn't even know about the Dome of the Rock.
0: Oh, really?
1: Like, I knew You didn't know the Dome of the Rock?
0: I was going to say, you you are a Christian priest, and you didn't know that the Holy Sepulcher has the... Both the place where Jesus died and the place where He rose.
1: No, I knew that, but I didn't know uh, about like these major central places in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Yeah, like if I you mean, said, "Hey, yeah. what's in what's people, in, don't,
0: people don't know what's
1: in Rome?" It'd be like, "Oh, there's St. Peter's, oh, yeah. there's St. John Lateran, there's oh, the yeah. Pantheon, there's the Colosseum." It's like, "Hey, what's in Jerusalem?" The Temple, mm-hmm. and a bunch of Christian temple. Peter like,
0: Gallicantu.
1: Yeah. The uh, cynical. It. Yep.
0: The um, the uh, way of the cross with its various pieces. Yeah,
1: no. What I, else? There's I knew Dominus
0: who's Fle- flevit.
1: I knew about some of those things, like just from the scriptures, that they had to be there. Yeah. But like I didn't know anything about you know the events. So I went down to the yeah, Western where Wall you go, right? immediately. I found on Google Maps that uh, the Western Wall is open twenty four hours a day.
0: Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that either.
1: You can go anytime. The second thing I learned at the Western Wall is um, it's segregated, because I actually true, tried to true. walk into the women's section, well, <laughs> and was stopped by an elderly Jewish woman who shook her finger at me and shooed me away. That's, and I was like, "What's going on?" And then I looked up. That's and there
0: was the guard. Her name is Anna. Really? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> it's just an old Jewish lady.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so, anyways, I went. I got over to the side. Now, first and foremost, I was like. All right, it's the temple. Why should I? Why should I even be impressed with this thing? Okay. Okay. It's. I mean, I, I'm looking at my uh, model. Now, th-
0: this is you, when you're there. You've gone there. I, I'd never you're been there. You just got kicked out of the women's section. Yes. And now you're saying now, why? Now why should I'm I walking. Be
1: now I'm walking over to the men's section, and I approach, and there's these large stones, and it's a wall, and mm-hmm. people are praying, and I'm and you
0: go you go through security. You got to wear your kippa. Yep, and then you go in to the men's side. Exactly. Okay, um, big stones,
1: big stones, and I'm saying to myself, "Why should I care? Like, what what is so impactful about this? So, just from a like simple, you're a tour guide in you know Jerusalem. I don't have one. Why should I care about the Western Wall?
0: Well, for the Orthodox Jews, this is a, a reminder of various things one is the a, a time when the jews lived in the land and their kingdom was established in jerusalem so it's a, it's a zionist monument hmm. for that reason it connects them with their historical roots there's no other like archaeological monument that unites the people there you hmm. know there is like sure. you know tel aviv is like a an ethnic capital um, of business and commerce in the, in the region, but it's Jerusalem that is the memory of their past that unites the people. Yeah. And the temple is really symbolic of Jerusalem. And then it, um, it's, it, it's a, a vivid reminder of historical divides and how they've been oppressed. So the temple, the top of the temple, like you said, is not, doesn't belong to the Jews. Right. So in part, there's a, like a, a symbolic, you're down below up against this thing that is like representative of your people, the way you see it. Yeah. And then up above, you have the Muslims uh, who are worshiping in their mosque, Al-Aqsa, and in the Dome of the Rock. And they are, well, it depends on how you look at it, but considered invaders in, in sor- of sorts. Sure. So it's very like... Um, I don't know, emblematic of some of the the uh, drama, political drama and situation yeah. in the Middle East and with Israel as a state and all these things. Um, it's probably the closest monument to the Old Testament. So when you get into the real like Hasidic Jews, they're there like rocking back and forth. Did you see that? Right. Yeah. And it's like, you know, this is as close as you can get to the point where God was talking to Moses or David, or you know?
1: Yes. That something happened to actually propel them to eventually build this place. It wasn't just sort of, this is a story that we've passed on, and then eventually it's like, the moral of the story is, try to be a better person. Right. Like, it was like, <laughs> right. no, they actually hauled these stones from a quarry, yeah, you know, and and brought them with this marvelous, you know, facade, and it's still here. Like, yeah. th- and, but is this the original temple? This, I mean, my understanding is this is the second temple.
0: Okay. This is, uh, yeah, it's Herodian.
1: So this is not but the temple. It's, it's
0: n- built on the foundation of the, the first temple.
1: But this is the temple that Jesus would have walked into. Yep. So the, the first temple was destroyed by the Babylonians?
0: Yes. And um, we don't know, I mean, what does destruction mean? Like, how much of it? So when the Romans destroyed this thing, they threw rocks off the top but the walls still the walls are still there yeah. right so this hasn't been rebuilt since the time of the romans no but it's, it's you know a lot of it's still standing so it was destroyed in 70 AD but that that doesn't mean the whole thing was raised to the ground right so we don't know in the first temple we don't know but they did they definitely didn't have those big blocks in the time of solomon we don't think
1: but i mean they didn't rebuild this portion just as a sort of um, this is what it would have been like back in the day. Like, this is as it was. Yep. So, I mean, for me, like, as I approached this, I, I knew that it had this this hallowed significance. I know that it re- represents a people that I pretty much am sure that I'm a part of. Uh, from oh, that's my, right. From you're, my own heritage. You're
0: ethnically Jews. Jews so or you have some in your blood, yeah.
1: Yeah. So then, uh, but then also, like, it's it's a sign of this is all we have left. And it's not much. Like, it's not a, you know, I don't know, like a, a gold facade or, a, you know, a beautiful statue. It's walls. It's walls. And...
0: With remarkably big stones. Huge. I mean, they're beautiful.
1: Yes. And I, I remember the, the line from the psalm where it's like, love for your very stones. Like, that I have love... Like, it's talking about, you know, Jerusalem walking all around it, you know? And we have love even for your very stones. Because there is a way in which the walls are protective, and stable, and secure. Oh yeah, you're. I mean, my... it
0: speaks of strength.
1: So then you get up to this thing, you get up to this thing, and I'm saying to myself, "What do I pray? Like, what prayer do I do I emote to try and convey my gratitude for um, for being in this place?" To intercede for the Jewish people, to intercede for the world, mm-hmm. in a place where, from the Holy of Holies, sacrifices were offered, like for all persons, but even for the for the Jewish people, foretelling uh, one sacrifice that would be offered once for all, and also all the sacrifices that would be offered from east to west. And I and I got and that,
0: can I just explain that there's a tradition of going there. A lot of Jews daily go there and pray there. Um, the Jewish, rabbinic Jewish prayers. Mm-hmm. those include a lot of the Old Testament and the Psalms and stuff like that. But there's also a lot of other things. Um, and they go through those litanies. So that's a lot of the people there. There's also a lot of visitors. And the visitors often will put a written prayer request. So part of the tradition is to go there and bring some special prayer right? And that's kind of what uh, Christian pilgrims have done, as well as, you know, well, I mean, Christian pilgrims are kind of um, guests there of the the Jews, at least in this time period. I mean, throughout history, Christians have gone because this is the place where Jesus was. But um, the popes have gone, for example, and put their little prayer in the wall. Yes. So, you see lots and lots of these little scrolls in the cracks of the wall. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, just some kind of visual for your, you know, what should I pray here? People bring a specific prayer.
1: Yes. Well, and I did have a parishioner ask me specifically. I, you know, I, I said, you know, I'm going to the Holy Land. He's like, I want you to pray for this intention at the at the wailing wall. at the
0: wall. Okay. And I was
1: like, okay, you know, I mean, we're going to a number of other places, but you know, that's where he wanted his prayer intention. Um, but I was I was struck because I was like trying to remember, you know, what what could I, what could I pray here? And as it turned out, it was, you know, it was late. It was like, you know, 1030 at night by the time I got there. Um, I realized I hadn't prayed night prayer yet. And so I was able to pray night prayer uh, from, from memory, just kind of gazing upon the wall, you know, and, uh, and also like up close to it. But especially when I got to the, uh, the Nunc Dimittis. Yeah. Was I was like that is that is a beautiful prayer to utter in the presence of the this spectacle, the sight, because like this is where Jesus would have been brought in to the temple. Yep, and this building, this secure building, receives this simple child and a, a man of of deep abiding faith in the God of Israel, um, is able to witness the fulfillment of the old and the new and stand as this bridge where he's able to say, Lord, now you let your servant go in peace.
0: Yeah, that's Simeon, the, the prophet or the priest, whoever, the old man in the, in the temple mm-hmm. who God had, had or, or the spirit had promised that would, uh, he wouldn't die until he saw the Christ. Right, and then he says this this canticle, this song, right, so, which we pray, and even the psalm that you pray with the the night prayer, you know, the psalms were <clears throat> were sung twenty four hours a day in the temple during the time of Jesus hmm. by different uh, choirs of priests or Levites. Really? Yeah. So I think I mean that's why I joked about Anna um, Simeon receiving Jesus Anna. in the, in the temple. <laughs> Got it. Is exactly it? I mean, that's that's those stones had had touched that that memory. We're like witnesses. He, he was looking at that. yes, yeah,
1: and that's actually like it's very Old Testament because like even Jacob makes an altar out of stones when he wrestles with God because he wants them to be actually witnessed to what he had what he had endured, what he had. What he had experienced. Joshua, you know, creates an altar. Like when, you know, Maccabees, like, happens and they desecrate the temple, like, they eventually make new stones. They cut new stones to, um, or maybe they don't, but I don't remember. Like, there's something about the stones where they rededicate that place. And I was like, I was like. Yeah, they
0: set up stones after they crossed the Jordan. Remember that?
1: Right. Mm -hmm. And these are the stones. These are the stones that witnessed Jesus' um, attempt at, um, yeah, I mean, an invitation, an attempt at, uh, this, is, this is what I invite you to, this is what I offer. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he is the stone rejected.
0: Yeah, that's what I was thinking of that. I mean, he, he brings that up when he's in the temple. Yes, And that's, um, the fathers have talked about the cornerstone that Jesus is being that bridge between the Jews and the Gentiles and the Old Testament and the New Testament, that um, being the, the capstone. And, um, and then the cornerstone, you know, as well, Jesus, I, I was thinking of this because it was probably, Herod was building the temple and expanding the temple at the time when Jesus um, was visiting the temple, or I mean, when he was, when he was born. But then I mean this the construction project continued, and um, the stones were quarried nearby, and then underneath the the city, did you go into those old quarries it 's really cool there 's like these big caverns and no. stuff and um, and then the uh, rejected stones were thrown out right, and they were they kind of worked the stones next to the building because you'd You'd want to carve them out and everything and then fit them. And then if they cracked or broke or whatever, they would discard them in this kind of heap and pile, yeah. and that's where they say Jesus was crucified, that he was right. He was crucified where they had rejected the cornerstones, yes. or, you know, the stones.
1: Yeah, and actually, they did show us that, because it's down in the St. Helena Chapel is where you see some of this old rock, oh, yeah. where it's just not good for anything. You know, seemingly. Um.
0: Another th- another thought I had about the bearing witness. Uh, I think that's amazing. And it's like you can't describe, this is true about any pilgrim experience. Now, its it, I, I almost feel pretentious talking about how everybody needs to go and see this. It's actually, it takes a lot of money. It, I know it's hard. Yeah. But it was an ambition at one point in the church and for a long time. To get to Jerusalem, that was like a pilgrim, uh, like every Christian should try to do this in a lifetime. Yeah. And then you had these, these other p- pilgrim routes that developed a- as a, um, like if you couldn't get to Jerusalem because it was occupied by other people, you weren't allowed in, whatever. Yeah. Then you Subject. can go to Rome and visit the, the uh, relics from the Holy Land. That was the point of going to Rome. And um, and then you go to Santiago de Compostela because it uh, connects you with the apostles. But those were concessions. You know, what you wanted to do was get to Jerusalem. And I don't know why it works like this, but it's not the same if you see a documentary that's amazing and they give you lots of history and detail and show you pictures up close. and everything. Right. It's not the same um, if you have powerful prayer experiences of these biblical sites. Those are really good things. There's something different about touching the stone, you know? And I love to go up to Mother Cabrini Shrine here in Colorado, where there was a miraculous um, spring that was discovered by Mother Cabrini. Mm -hmm. And on this land that was kind of discard land, but she had built an orphanage, and the orphans needed water. Um, And so, God provided this water. Well, up on the top of the hill, Mother Cabrini set up this little s- sacred heart of stones. And it's just such a little thing, you know, anybody could do that. But I love going up there and seeing that something that her hands had touched because she's one of my great heroes. She's an incredible saint. And she was marking some huge grace that God had worked in my place, you know? It's one of the most profound things to me, and all it is is a circle of rocks. You know, the stones bear witness. It's a monument.
1: Right. And I would say that for a lot of people, like, you know the difference when uh, you've experienced something yourself versus, like, what you're trying to communicate to persons. Mm. Um, For me, it was like, uh, what I'm trying to allude to is, like, w- there are scripture passages that are in some ways fulfilled when you experience them for the first time in your life. You know, mm. like the the passage of you know the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and those whose spirit is crushed, you will save. Mm. You remember when you experienced something in your life when it was like that was exactly what I needed to hear, and yeah. I actually felt that the Lord was doing that, and then. When I was at that juncture of, as a Christian and as a Catholic, I'm here in this place that I actually have reverence for and I have like a real uh, respect and an awe of.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: I also realized that this place is different, not because, uh, not because it's wrong, but because there's something, there's something greater. There's something more. And, uh, and it was confirmed in me in part because I went to dinner with um, some uh, parishioners of mine who also went to the Holy Land, and their young son, who I was very happy that he went to the Holy Land at such a young age, he's only like 15 or 16 years old, um, he, he said about the Temple Mount, he said, we don't have anything like that in our Catholic faith,
0: Oh, I think you were telling me this. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I was like, you know what? In some ways, I think you're right. I think you're right that we don't have something like that, that touches that far back, that is not also a living reality that is venerated now.
0: Yeah. And I, you know, I'll share a grace from when I was in the Holy Land, um, I went to the Holy Sepulcher very regularly, and it was one of my favorite places. And I remember the piety of, I know there's a lot of Christians who don't like this stuff, but I do. I feel like, you know, anything that draws me closer to Jesus, who I love. Um, they were rubbing the stone with uh, rose water, and they do that daily. And so as you come into... There's just this one stone where they yeah. supposedly laid down. I know what you're talking about. I don't know if it was the body of Jesus or stripped him or something happened there. Yeah. And they, um, so I I went in there and I was just like, yes, this is a profound place. And I know people had said, oh, there's so much like political strife among Christians. It's so distasteful. And I was just moved. I love being there. I was so excited. But I, I, Really thought uh, this is going to be the place where I have the deepest connection i've ever had with god mm. i'm going to feel you know that consolation and that closeness yeah. and I felt extraordinarily dry in terms of my connection with god and i and I actually think this was a grace of like communication from God, but this scripture came true for me uh, like you say, it was fulfilled in my presence it was why do you look for Je- why do you look for the living among the dead he is not here and it was like these are cold stones yeah. this place is a dark cold cold place yes. it means a lot to me it is an extraordinary place i i would say in the in on the earth i would rather you know i'd rather go i, I this is the best place that i've been to it's my favorite place because it's so close to the jesus that i love but he's not there yeah. the jesus that i love is in heaven I get closer when I when I uh, receive the Eucharist. I get closer when I um, encounter Jesus in the poor, or in my brother. You know, that's it's a living reality, and that to me is is really amazing. That I was not ne- I was not moved as well by the empty tomb right. as I have been at times with other living realities in the church.
1: And I. F- I would I would second that in, in exactly right because when I went there I was sort of creating I was like this has to be this has to be the most amazing thing that I've ever experienced as a Christian you know and and I would say mm, it it wasn't doesn't mean it wasn't important but I would say that you know the words of Mother Teresa are important where she says don't come to Calcutta, make your own, find your own Calcutta, yeah, you know? Yeah. And she also says that for Nazareth. And I think she would also say that for Jerusalem. Um, and I would say, like, there were, it was a, at least the, the place in the temple, it was like, I was glad that I had that experience. One of the holiest events on, in, in, the, in the trip on, in the Holy Land happened next to the Sea of Galilee. For me
0: mm-hmm.
1: where it was just like Jesus could literally walk around the corner right now, and I wouldn't even be surprised,,
0: Bruh, yeah. I would just
1: be like, "Of course you're here, yeah. you know um but but the but the but the sepulchre, yeah, no, I don't think he would rise from there i don't I don't think he would come back. From that place, however, okay, and we got to we got to tie this off because we got to do it. Well,
0: don't you think? Is I I always found it ironic because Galilee is just like very peaceful. It's idyllic. I love it. Um, It's the place that you want to be. You want to retire to. Jerusalem is like harsh and like intense. Professional religious and yeah, yep. And it's yeah, kind of official and institutional. Like Milan,
1: Milan is the fashion capital. You know, yeah. Uh, Tokyo is like you know the you know whatever investment capital. Like Jerusalem is religious capital.
0: Religious capital, absolutely. Not even Rome
1: of the world. Rome has nothing compared to the intensity of
0: oh yeah, yeah. And but it's it's harsh. This was like ironically, Jerusalem means the city of peace. Yeah, and it has been anything but that throughout history. And it was the place where Jesus was killed. So, it is like this profound thing. It's like a symbol of what could be, you know, all of these promises made to Israel and, to, and that the Christians inherit and all of these things. And, and yet, it's like the last place where you're going <laughs> to feel into, like close to heaven. Kind of. You know? In a way. I mean, and that's the, that's the weird thing about Jesus and his, cru- his crucifixion is there is glory in the crucifixion and beauty. So, in honor of Goronsky, I have to mention that maybe this is the closest you can get to Jesus. The irony of people fighting and arguing over God.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I tell you, but I mean, when we were standing on the Mount of Olives and looking down on the temple, and you you can see the Golden Gate, and Mm -hmm. the Golden Gate is now walled up. Because there's sort of a debate. Because the the Jews say that the Messiah will come through the Golden Gate. Yeah.
0: From that, that's the east side.
1: East side. And the Muslims say that Muhammad will come right in through that that gate.
0: Oh, through the gate. I didn't know that. I know Muhammad was said to have ascended into heaven from the top of the Temple Mount. So, it's like the third... Most important pilgrim site for the Muslims. Yeah.
1: And but but then the the Christians are like, but Jesus went through that gate. Mm. Like he already came through. And like could you imagine Jesus coming back through there again? Like fulfilling all of it. And there was just a part of me that was like, it's just so crazy, it just might work. Really? You know? Like I I, I there was a part of me that was just like, I wouldn't be surprised. But I actually felt more comfortable with Jesus just walking around the corner next to the sea yeah.
0: valley. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's hard to know. I I was trying to teach my deacon candidates about how unlikely the coming of the Messiah would have been in Jesus' time. Mm-hmm. It was would have been a huge surprise for anyone who was tracking and who would have been looking out because... There, the political situation was so em, embroiled and complicated, and it, it, did, it did not seem like you could have someone come out of the political scene who was going to be the leader of all of the Jews, mm-hmm. unite the Jews somehow. Yeah. You didn't have, there wasn't sovereign Jewish sovereignty over the land, and, and Rome complicates the picture. You didn't look like there was going to be a Jewish king, Uh, The priesthood was a mess, and all of the institutions, so it didn't look like there was going to be a a high priestly Messiah. And all of these expectations for a Messiah were like, no, this is never going to come. It's like, you know, are we going to have a perfect president in America? Is this the time? And you could say, oh, yeah, any time it could happen. But anybody who knows is like, nah, um, you know, things are too complicated. So you get, you know, you get the best you can find, but, you know, it's just not the right environment and i think that was the case in the in the first century that no one was expecting it, and he came out of nowhere right and it was amazing to some and it was really disturbing to others you know but
1: to those with faith they could see it you know and that yeah. was for me like simeon when he was able to actually uh, appreciate the the temple that he had served and that he had Dwelt in and sort of admired and made his home, and now is able to hold the body of Jesus as the second, as the new temple, uh, the the temple whose walls will be broken, so that we can actually find life, and all the people can kind of come in. Um, He says, you know, um, now you let your servant go in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. My own eyes have seen the salvation which you have prepared in the sight of every people, a light to reveal you to the nations and the glory of your people, Israel. Mm. And I was so grateful because it was actually the Jewish in me that was able to recall the scripture to be able to, to, to say to God at that moment, this is what you have spoken to us, you know? And that's what we've received from the Jewish life yeah. is the appreciation for the word. And uh, I would say that the mystery that is, is proclaimed in, in recalling the word is something of what was, is now, and will be. So you can actually touch both past, present, and future. It's a very liturgical moment. So anyways, that was my... That's beautiful. That's my temple were recollection with
0: Do you think you were so um, connected that you could say with Simeon, now you let your, now let your servant go in peace, you were ready to die? No,
1: I was, I was actually, it was like I was hearing an echo. Mm. Of someone who actually could breathe those words righteously. I wasn't there yet. Okay. I yeah. haven't caught I haven't caught an eight pound bass Very yet. Nice so um Father John Father
0: John thinks he can control everything. Exactly. He's barking about time. Well, we're gonna have to patch it up. Not because Father John
1: says Yeah. <laughs> we're coming. Gosh. Anywho, uh so I I do wanna give a shout out to everybody on the blue bus. Um, we're awesome. And uh, Red Bus was Father Math books bus. It's totally lame, uh, but he's a good guy. So,
0: What about a shout-out to Hannah Geiger, I think it is. I'm going to look this up and make sure it's right. But anyway, this sweet girl <clears throat> is going to college in... See, now I'm getting it all wrong. Kentucky, Hannah, Illinois. Hannah Geiger. And she um, wrote in because she she attempted a... Ten-page paper on the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah, she was inspired. Go on. And um, and a, a professor pushed pushed back and said, "Oh, this this topic is pretty complicated. Are you sure you want to try to tackle this? It'll take a lot of research." Mm-hmm. That girl is a hero. She went in and she did it. She Hannah Geiger. It. She went for it. She did the hard research. Did the hard work of a true scholar. Um, hat o- hats off to you, Hannah.
1: And she got a paperback.
0: I don't know that Impressive. part. Impressive. Um, send me your paper. <laughs> exactly. I, all I got was um, thank you for encouraging me.
1: There so you go. I'm
0: happy. I'm happy you awesome. have. That's like Congrats. the true joy of a teacher when the exactly. when the student becomes a teacher. All
1: right. Just because um, you know Father Joe Grady, you know, is is, is a as a friend. I, we don't do shout outs from people anymore. So, I'm just letting you know this is a special favor I'm just giving to Joe Grady because he's like my little well,
0: brother. Well, shout out to Joe Grady, Father Joe Grady.
1: So, he requested a shout out for Jacob Hopper from Illinois State and Nadine Hernandez from CSU, who are big uh, fans of the podcast. So, uh, I do want to honor those two persons because, you know, they're, they're listeners. But it's not just like Joe saying, hey, like, I want to give a shout out to this person across the nation who doesn't even listen to the podcast. So.
0: Father Joe Grady, I am still maybe for Lent I will finish reading your mystery novel Blue Bear Blue
1: Bear there you go folks uh, I would say memorize the scripture that's your goal for today this is Catholic Stuff Podcast uh, thank you for listening Father Mike it's great to be back on the hey, uh,
0: great on, to be on, here on, under, with the, you.
1: under the headphones with you And thanks uh,
0: buddy thanks for sharing the graces of your Holy Land pilgrimage you're the best
1: we'll be back uh, in another week and hope you guys are having a blessed Lent we will talk soon. Cheers.